0: Today, we have that very data driven, very user centric, very intrusive way of doing advertisement. Now the user gets tracked a lot. The data is inaccurate, no one wins, maybe the middleman wins, but definitely not the user and not the advertiser. I think um, the whole, the whole approach of having like incentivized advertisement, uh, or like incentivized views is something. That is very interesting and advertisers leverage that today, right? It just doesn't happen on a monetary standard. But try to monetize content if you don't have access to a bank account. Try to get a PayPal account if you are like from Eastern Europe. It gets really difficult already. You need to wait weeks or even months to get approval on PayPal there. And I don't think it is black and white as well. I think we can find we can find methods and, and monetization models that lie in between, right? Then have a little bit of value for value, that have a little bit of like pay upfront, that have a little bit of pay way joy. enjoy. Bitcoin enables that use case of ungated and permissionless monetization straight from the second you start using it.
1: Edge is the co-founder of Starbacker and an ad industry veteran who has fallen down the Bitcoin and Lightning rabbit hole. In our discussion, Edge explained how the world of advertising works today. He explained how Lightning could offer improvements for both consumers and advertisers, and how the creator economy might evolve on a Bitcoin standard. I've also added edge to today's show splits, so if you enjoy this episode and if you learn something new, the best way you can support the show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network. You can use any podcasting 2.0 app, but my favorite one to use is Fountain. Just a quick shout-out, today's show is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard and next-generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. We'll have more from Voltage later in the show. Edge, welcome to the show. We've got a really interesting conversation lined up today, uh, covering a topic that doesn't get much attention in the Bitcoin Lightning space, and that is advertising. Um, Before we get into the detailed conversation, how about we start with a little background from yourself, Tell listeners what you're doing today for work and how you got into Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, sounds great. Um, First of all, thanks for having me, Kevin. And um, yeah, so basically, I got into Bitcoin, um, I'd say almost two years ago now. uh, And I fell into the rabbit hole really bad, like I did a free fall, let's say. Um, So uh, I actually managed to ship around the whole like altcoin and shitcoin phase. I got really lucky there. and I think my entry point was basically uh, Tesla buying into into Bitcoin. That's what got me really excited about it. But back then, everything was very different. I was that typical legacy guy, right? That's like a lot of consuming and everything like that linear economy person. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got into Bitcoin um, the the like content creator way. I, I uh, were like I consumed a lot of content on YouTube. And there's a very cool German community um in the whole space, like a very maximalist community as well. And that's probably the luck I had that I got into that. Um it, that's like Block Trainer is is a is a very uh, famous German YouTube channel um that right before I got into the space switch switched around to Bitcoin only content. Um and then I also like um I also found a community around 21, uh, that is 21 in German. Um uh, which is also a maximalist community. Um, Yeah. And I, I got really interested in the topic. I think the technical, um, the technical background was what, what triggered me the most. Um, That's why I started reading the books, um, mastering Bitcoin and mastering the lightning network pretty much at the beginning of my journey, which really got me into that. And um, yeah, I, I am a person that's uh, really into like online communities. So I spend a lot of my time on telegram, And I think that is one of the reasons why, um, I got into like the more deep topics very quickly because I started explaining to people and, um, at least for my part, when you start to explain to people, you, you really do understand that you don't understand or what you don't understand only if you try to explain. Um, and, and yeah, so, so that, that was my entry point. And, um, now the the whole thing or the whole bitcoin topic has spread so much in my life that it basically takes up the most part of it and it takes up the my career as well now because uh then last year in august i met joe and the room uh which are now my co-founders at starbecker and we founded starbecker together in yeah well we we started the project in august but then incorporated in december and um so yeah that's basically how i got here today <laughs>
1: Love it. And what were you doing beforehand?
0: Before I got into Bitcoin, so my, my legacy life, which still leaks a little bit into my Bitcoin life today, um, I uh, spent my time doing advertisement. That's how I earned bread and butter. Um, doing digital advertisement uh, like display and bannering. Um, actually, my family founded an advertisement agency uh, 20, 20 years ago, or 21 years ago now. And if you think about how long Germany has been having like an active internet usage, that's pretty, pretty much like since the beginning of the internet, right, there was AOL and stuff. But then like, once the internet got a little bit more adopted, um, that was pretty much the beginning. Um, what they do is they are like, a um, like a monetization, not not a platform, but like an agency that, that does monetization for for web 2.0 websites. Um, so you can basically they, they abstract all the difficult things for you, you just get one one script tag, you implement it on your site, and then they will do the monetization. They will try to sell you ad spaces. It's basically like AdSense, but way better and without like with a better cut and everything. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I did before in that company, I did, uh, business development. So getting, getting more partners into the, into the portfolio of that company and also, uh, ad management and tech development. Um, but when I say tech development not not like coding ourselves but like finding new partners finding new technology that might be interesting uh, for the company and for all the partners in the portfolio
1: interesting now when when having discussions with bitcoiners the the topic of advertising and the topic of people people tracking you or wherever you go on on a website it's a, uh, a very controversial one uh, that a lot of, of bitcoiners don't like and, and privacy advocates are often rail against advertising. Um, And so there's, there's a lot of discussion about how advertising is bad today. There's also on the flip side, you know, if you're looking at it from a business's perspective, this is how you get new customers. And this is how people have been doing this for a very long time. They've been advertising their business and promoting themselves uh, and paying for it. Um, How do you, how do you kind of make these two Opposing ideas work together. What What is the current state of the advertising industry? What's wrong with it today, and and what, what do people kind of not understand about it?
0: Yeah, that's that's a very difficult topic, right? Um, I think when you when you go to a very base level, advertising is something that is that is required at, at at some level in in some way as well. Um, actually, I learned marketing and media management, so that's what I studied. And I always like to think about marketing um, in a way that is actually change management. And it's not change management, like, like sustainability and all the things. But what you want to achieve as a marketer is, is basically change. And what I do believe, uh, what I really do believe is that advertisement and marketing always should add value. That's like, obviously, there's, there's the whole topic around like scammy marketing and getting people, getting people, uh, an obnoxious way to getting people to buy your product, even though it doesn't add value to trick them into buying. But I want to put that away because that's not like, obviously, that's bad. There's no we don't need to talk about that. But but in the end, what what a marketeer should do is to basically find the value that the product will bring to the people, and then to like point point that out and build a campaign around that and actually like bring that value to the people. And I think that's a good thing. So um, advertising isn't isn't bad, per se but, uh, can, can actually add value to the people, to the, to the, to the product and also like for the people in the end. Um, also I think, uh, advertisement is required or at least currently it is required, uh, as a monetization rail for businesses or content creators or whatever. So, um, those are the upside the, the, those two are the upside to the, to the whole topic. Now, uh, the reason why most people think of bad, uh, uh, of advertisement as something bad today is probably because how it developed in the last like 10 years or something, right? Um, because if you look at the history of advertisement, and I mean, that's a very old topic, right? We have out of home and and print advertisement. We have that, those, we had those for decades, right? Uh, we had those way before the internet. And um, most of the time, as I said, it is something that should add value to your life. And... Today, we have that very data driven, very user centric, very intrusive way of doing advertisement in that which is called programmatic in in the in the display world, at least, um, which is probably just an an approach of advertisers to get or to gain more efficiency when it comes to advertisement. but but yeah, that is that is definitely the thing that people think about when they hear advertisement. That's why it has such a bad stigma, right? Wait, why, why people think think bad about advertisement because they will try to get all your browsing history from your cookies and try to track you online and get more efficiency out of it and try to measure their uh, measure the ad e- efficiency and the ad return. And everything gets um, to a level where it, where it, at the time, it has to become more cheap it has to be more efficient and everything and that's that's probably why it, why it developed that way it's a little bit like the whole um, consuming topic around like low quality products that sell for less because people don't want to spend it I mean that's that's the whole topic that we have like uh, when we talk about circular economies and and Bitcoin in general right um, that we have to turn everything down a little bit that we need to think about how we spend and maybe spend even more to have like a more quality or have more quality in the end. Um, and so, so that advertisement, um, the whole advertisement definitely has that, uh, that very legacy economy feel to it where just because everything becomes cheap and everything becomes less, less qualitative. Right. Um, so I think what's really bad about that is that it's, it's not, um, it's not about like the, it's not about the quality of the advertisement itself anymore. It's just getting really obnoxious, and the people try to get into the into the into the home of the of the receiving end and of the user, uh, even a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I really lost my track right now. I'm sorry, Kevin. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that that's really interesting, though. It's it's you know, like is it because we have programmatic ads that this has now become the preferred business model for? Some of the largest companies in the world like is that was that the unlock that made it so appealing for facebook and google to use this as a monetization strategy rather than you know sell something i think it's i i, I think it's
0: um there's there's different effects that that took place here right i think one is that that companies so let's let's go back a little bit there's ad agencies And those ad agencies they have the um they have the task of developing campaigns and and trying to find methods of advertisement that are more efficient than others when we started out as i said we had out of home for example out of home advertisement has no tracking there are Mm -hmm. some ideas around that how you could measure efficiency right but in the end like it is an ad you can't tell if a user has seen it or not if it's just like a paper print like somewhere in the street right um, then, then companies came around, came about that had m- more efficient ways of doing advertisement. And obviously they sold that product and they also needed investment and, and like funds. So ad agencies started putting a lot of money into that, into those business models. And what happened now, what's really interesting is that, um, because those agencies invest, invested so much money into this, into this technology they had to sell that product to the client as well. The client is now the advertiser. So the brand, so the ad agency invested that money and now try to, I wouldn't say scam, but try to sell that product because they had invested the money and now they have to get some return of it. So the brand gets, I mean, mean like the ad agency is is the advisor of the brand. So what the ad ad agency sells them should be the right thing, right? a great example of this is IP targeting, for example. And if you if you spend a little bit of time um, in like the internet technical world, and you know that IP addresses are not a good way of actually pinpointing lo- your location, I think my ISP is located like 500 kilometers away from my home. So if hmm. someone tried to target an advertisement to me and to my like hometown and used my IP address to do that, they would fail hor- horribly because they couldn't reach me. But for a decade or not, not almost a decade, that was the preferred way of regional targeting of location targeting in the internet. And the reason why is because agencies bought that technology, uh, one, of, one is IP to location, for example, that was implemented in, in all the services and ad service and stuff. And now they had to sell that to the client. And that happens with a lot of things that happens so often in, in programmatic advertisement. And that's something very um, frustrating as well for us as an advertisement agency back then, when customers always asked for these features and you were like, well, you, sh- you shouldn't buy that. We-, we can do that, but you shouldn't buy that because there's just no efficiency. But because that money was spent and most of the time the publisher, so the side where the ad- advertisement runs or the one that monetizes that site uh, doesn't get to speak with the client but just with the agency that has that bias now and has to sell the product. So, so the quality turns bad in the end. And, um, that happened so many times and in so many different locations and, uh, with the whole programmatic topic as well, right? Everything got more centralized. All those companies got bought up and, and like formed together. And in the end, you don't even have a choice anymore. When you, when you come out as a, as a small site, for example, you have AdSense, right? That's your entry to to uh, display advertisement for most content creators or for most uh, websites. Um, You don't really have a choice to go to somewhere else because other companies might not take you because you're too small. And now you're stuck with what Google wants. And the client Mm -hmm. on the other side wants to reach that audience. And now they are stuck as well with what Google wants. And in the end, it's just like Google's thing now. And that happens in so many places. uh, Because if you think about uh, very, very, very interesting insight might be that Google runs pretty much everything when it comes to web 2.0 monetization, even if even with a company like like ours, um, you have that problem that that um, the most used browser is Google Chrome, right? The most used web engine, or search engine is Google search. You have the most used ad server, which is, as I said, the technology that does all the campaign planning and serves the ad in the end, which is Google ad manager, the biggest programmatic exchange is Google ad exchange. And now, now you, you maybe you maybe start to understand why there's no much, no big choice to none, like not to the publisher, not to the client, not to the agency. In the end, it's just the, that technology provided it now dictates everything.
1: Right. So Google's sitting in the middle here, and on the one side, we have the advertiser who has this product they want to sell, but in order to get to Google now, they have to pay more because Google's their only kind of option at the stage they're at, maybe. Um, And then on the other side, you got the consumer who is going to get more and more ads over time now, over the last, like you know, YouTube right now, you go on YouTube and you can't watch a single video without seeing one, sometimes two ads. They used to be like six second ads. Now they're like eight or 10 or 15 seconds. Um, and and the consumer is getting more and more ads and, and no financial benefit from seeing them. And, and they're, you know, they don't really know where, where their data is being used or, or where it's, where it's going. They kind of have a, have lost a bit of control of that. Um, So it it seems like there's this, you know, Google's found this position in the middle of these two parties. Is it fair to say that now on with Bitcoin and Lightning and the discussion about peer-to-peer internet apps, is there a way to eliminate that that middle, that center that is preventing the advertiser from talking directly to the user? I think that's,
0: i think yes that that would be possible but i think it's a very long way until we get there right there's so many things that can be fixed with bitcoin straight away um for example like with starbecker we said okay uh digital content monetization is something that can be fixed quite easily by just just pulling out the legacy payment system and putting in bitcoin right that doesn't solve all the problems but it solves many many problems very fast and very quickly I think advertisement is something that is way more complicated than that because that system oh. is so complex. It has so many different um, different parts to it, and you always have to have to think about that. That the so so the problem is that and and that happens with like Google uh, and uh, because you said YouTube and 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 uh, having like three ads in a row, right? What happens and what's really important to think about is that there are people that earn a living from advertisement already. And not not like, like me, for example, who did like advertisement for someone else. But I'm talking about content creators that actually have to have that monetization rail to earn a living because that's what they do for bread and butter, right? Um, so if you now go ahead and try to change that system completely, um, you would have to find a way to do it in such a way that the revenue that can be generated off it is the same with the legacy world and that's that's really really tough right because um if you take that that content monetization we do on starbacker right if you have like 100 followers on on a legacy world and you know that they are that they understand bitcoin for example and you can port them over or you can partially port them over you will still gain the same revenue but if you try to do that same thing with web 2.0 advertisement the the overall capital that's being deployed in advertisement versus uh, in a like, legacy advertisement versus the capital that would be deployed in Bitcoin advertisement, I think there's a big gap between those two, those two numbers. And that is because adoption is not, we haven't gotten that far yet, right? So I think right. that's, that's, that's very complicated to to make that jump. and And also, I think it's not just the payment part, that's the problem. But as I said, it's the whole setup, right? It's the whole the whole system revolving around like implementing ads on your site or in your podcast and and everything, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So when we talk about ads and creator monetization, like direct direct monetization for creators, like audience funded, um, you know, this this brought up an interesting question. And I don't know the answer to it. I don't know if there is data on this, but do you have a sense for like what portion of creator revenue today, like on Web two, is advertising revenue versus direct monetization. You know, if it's through like PayPal or Patreon or some other kind of like Web2 system. And then do you expect that will shift in a transition to a Bitcoin standard where, you know, now we have a a tool for making much faster payments at at any amount uh, in the Lightning Network. And then we may also have some gains to be had in the advertising world as well. So, do do you expect there to be a shift in that percentage?
0: Um, so, coming to your first question, I don't have any numbers on that, but I expect that there's a big gap between those numbers as well. I, I from my feeling, I'd say um, the revenue that's generated through ads is way bigger than the revenue that's generated through like users directly paying for content.
1: Um, yeah, I agree.
0: But we but we definitely see a shift in that um, in the legacy world as well without even without Bitcoin, because monetization and advertisement gets so much more difficult. Um, And when I say more difficult, I mean, like the new way of doing that, because people get they are more aware about privacy issues. They uh, in in Europe, for example, we have the GDPR now, which is uh, which is making advertisement or programmatic advertising very difficult. Right. We have those content banners everywhere where you need to say, yeah, I want to have personalized ads. Um, mm-hmm. so, so the whole privacy, um, awareness is, is making things harder for advertisers. And that's why a lot of publishers and, and mediums, uh, and media and in, in general go to the, to the direct paid approach where they say, well, you can now choose whether you want to have like pay $6, for example, have that site ad free or use ad- and, or give us your consent and have ads for like programmatic ads. I don't think that's a good approach because now you have to choose whether you give up all your data, or you pay the paygate. It's not a good decision to be made, I think. Um, But I think, yeah, as I said, the the number already shifts without Bitcoin and Lightning. Now, what enables Lightning, uh, or what unlocks, unlocks, uh, what Lightning unlocks for us is um, having like open, more open standards and more open approaches to that, right? Um, When we, when we, think about Albi, for example, having like a native lightning wallet in your browser that can give a content creator a little bit of money every time you visit their site automatically, right. And removing that friction of paying and removing the requirement for having accounts, which is, I think, the, the most important thing, right. Um, because, obviously, I would be I would be willing to pay every every time I visit a site, but if I had to sign up there and put my credit card details and everything, that that is a big friction for me, right? So, yeah. Lightning removes that and enables um, very interesting use cases when it comes to when it comes to monetization that is not through advertisement. Um, right. So I think definitely it it unlocks unlocks uh, great opportunities for that, but again, um, it is the shift will be very difficult because. as someone that tries to monetize themselves only through donations for example and i just yesterday i I had a podcast episode with with someone from germany that had exactly the same exactly this issue he said well i do open source content on youtube like i want every i want education to be free but funding myself just through donations is very difficult for me but i don't want to go somewhere and have ads and also I'm very privacy focused. That's not something people usually sponsor and write, uh, write. And it's very hard for me to find someone that wants to advertise on my side as well. Um, So they are currently like struggling with funding their own content creation job, and they need a sidekick for that, right? Um, Yeah, Yeah. so I think that shift will be very difficult. But but lightning definitely helps. And uh, as, as, as implementations progress, and everything gets a little bit easier, that shift will become more seamless, I think. But we're not there yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting the way you talked about the way you frame the Web two discussion. Is like you either lose uh, control over your data, and you get bombarded with ads, or if the if the uh, platform decides they can make more money by charging you, they charge you, and you. So you either lose money from paying the service fee or you get hit with ads. It's like, yes, there's, there's obviously a lot of benefits that come with using services like Facebook and Twitter and Google. these things have been great for the internet. I don't wanna diminish that. But you're, you're, you're on the losing end on both sides when it comes to either getting hit with ads or paying. Uh, and I wonder if Lightning can flip the entire script to the positive side. Meaning like, if you had opt-in ads, Privacy first. Uh, no, by default there'd be no ads, and only if you wanted to receive ads, you could then use some of these open standards, like you talked about, Alby. You could use some of these standards to then earn from the ads. So if you if you want to give advertisers access to your own data, that I guess you know you could store in theory on on a node or some personal server, you could then give that data up for in exchange for money. So by default, you either, you either have no ads, which is a great experience and, a, and an improvement over, over Web2, or if you want to see ads, you're going to get paid for them. So it's like a total opposite shift there. It feels like that's a very powerful um, transition that we could go through. What are your thoughts on how, how we might get to that moment?
0: I think um, the whole, the whole approach of having like incentivized advertisement, uh, or like incentivized views is something that is very interesting and advertisers leverage that today, right? It just doesn't happen on a monetary standard. Um, When you when you when you look at web 2.0 currently, or like legacy advertising, let's say, um there's incentivized views when it comes to mobile games for example it's like you want another life for your mobile game then watch this ad this is basically incentivized right um now I think it would be a lot more efficient if we would say hey by the way if you view this ad we earn five dollars CPM for example And we're going to give you 50 cents cpm of that because actually your attention is what we are buying and um yeah exactly right that that is that is what's happened happening like the the advertisement is a trade for attention that that's what what the whole thing is about and that's why in in like 10 years ago ads were so flashy as well because they tried to gain the they tried to 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 um to steal the attention from the user from that site um but now, if we if we have that transparency about like monetization, and, and we say that we say to the user, Hey, by the way, if you give us more data, if we if we are able to, uh, to target more accurate, accurately, uh, you would earn even more. Um, I think that that would something that would be something that that would work very great. Now, the question is, how do you prevent fraud in that situation, for example, how do you make sure that the data that the user provides actually is accurate, and uh, that they syllable attacks, for example, that they don't like create like 1000 accounts to earn even more and stuff. Uh, But but there's definitely like ways I could imagine that would work, Um, like probably um, tying the the return to an conversion, for example, to say, hey, um, if we see that your account doesn't convert, or you don't click or whatever, right? And also, there's like great algorithms that try to to detect ad fraud. Now, nowadays, so I think there's definitely like models that could work with that. Um, and also regarding the whole GDPR topic, there are also already today, there are companies that try to do advertising more privately, right? That that try to preserve the user's privacy a little bit better, um, not because it's in, in the best interest of the company, but because European laws require that today. Uh, so people start to think about ways, how could we do programmatic advertisement without Doxing the user completely and without tracking tracking and and stuff. And um, one implementation or one one way of implementing of implementing that would would be to have like a private data store in your browser. And instead of actually giving that data out, you would receive a call to your browser that be like, Hey, this is an ad for phishing. I don't want to know your profile. But please dear algorithm that runs locally tell me if the user you're currently running, if the machine you're currently running on is interested in, in phishing, for example. Right. So Mm -hmm. that, I mean, like the, the problem with that, again, with a lot of calls and a lot of data advertisers could again, try to build a profile, but, but still it's a little bit better than just openly like having everything in your, in your local storage or like cookie storage. Um, and, and, and that, that the cool thing now is that, that as I said, that one like that it's an incentivation could now happen without any accounts, right? It could happen in your Bitcoin wallet. That Bitcoin wallet could be the identity. Like we could use private and public key pairs to have that whole to have that whole uh, like browsing identity. And I definitely think the the way of opting in into advertisement and, and um and putting your interests out actively would increase the efficiency for the advertisers as well. Because now we we only talked about the user side for now but to be honest the advertisement experience today for the advertiser for the brand is not a good one as well because i want to if if you use google services everyone should like go to their uh, i think it's like um google i i have to look that up but there is a side where you can see your personalized ad profile with google
1: yeah like see and what data very, google has collected about you right
0: yeah it's it's like it gives you like depends on how long you use that service but like it gives you like 50 to 200 categories you might fit into and Mm. it's very funny how inaccurate the data is even though if even if you use youtube and if you use google services a lot that is very inaccurate and and that obviously is a big problem for the advertiser as well because now they get sold as i said they get sold a product that promises to deliver a good targeted ad experience but the data is off and now now the user gets tracked a lot, the data is inaccurate, no one wins, maybe the middleman wins, but definitely <laughs> not the user and not the advertiser. And if we, if, we, if we switch to a model where the user actively provides information about themselves and about their interest, I think it would be a big win for the user as well, regardless of incentivation, because you would actually receive ads that you might be interested in, which isn't a bad thing, I believe, as long as it doesn't get taken advantage of, right? Yeah
1: um, and as long I as you get it's opt in.
0: Yeah, as long as as it's your choice, right? As it's your choice and it's actually like as i said, added value. Yeah. Then then it's a win-win for everyone, right? Uh, I think the 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 most frustrating part for me is if i go to a website, let's say i use a normal privacy like a non-privacy cookie browser, i go to a website and buy a pair of shoes. I will get shoe ads for like a week. And I'm like, well i bought shoes. That doesn't make any sense. Why do I get advertising for more shoes? I just bought them. you should know that I don't, that I'm not interested in that anymore. So I think the question implementation wise is definitely how could we build a system that is not very hard to use from a user's perspective, because that information, like I just bought shoes is something that would be required for the advertiser again, right. But I don't want to go ahead and update my interest profile every time I buy something, right. So I think Uh that is something to be solved. But I definitely see the possibilities of having that accountless and and like wallet-based, for example, like Albi Extension could do that, right? Albi Extension could have a place where you put interests and then Albi communicates with like a server and you get advertising for that. And you get a little bit paid every time because Albi can give that server an invoice. Be like, hey, you just served an ad. Here's the invoice, pay that, and only then I will display it to the user. I think that's a very good approach. But again. Is the revenue there? Is the potential of actually like doing a switch without hurting all the people that currently rely on monetization ads? How will that switch look like? I think that are the big topics that need to be solved.
1: I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just wanna give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard for Lightning Network infrastructure. Creating layer two applications and services on top of Bitcoin starts with Voltage, where you can spin up nodes, get access to liquidity, optimize your node and much more voltage is leading the way as the next generation provider of lightning network infrastructure and if you want to get a free trial and start using voltage today you can do so at voltage.cloud right i mean it makes a ton of sense to have the users be able to tell like there's no algorithm that's ever going to be able to detect or you know figure out it's going to have a hard time guessing what i want and it's always going to have some kind of lag or latency or some kind of error in judgment. Um, and I, when I get a light bulb idea in my head, like I want a new pair of sneakers, I know that before a computer knows that, typically. Some may argue it's the other way around. But I, I think that there's still a, um, you know, like like I have a better sense for what I want than the algorithms that can't even figure out where I live. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it does make sense that a user should be able to display that information. And, and I hear you on the uh, the challenge of like getting something like this off the ground. Um, if you, as a hypothetical here, if you were tasked with like building an emerging, you know, peer to peer advertising ecosystem, how would you go about doing that today? Where would you start? Oh, that, that's a
0: tough question. Um when you say so so when you say peer-to-peer I think the first um the first question that needs to be answered first is how will the web 3.0 I don't I don't like that wording because it's like so stigmatized by all the different weird project around that but how would the web of the future look like and are we actually going to have something like a peer-to-peer internet right because if you have like a peer-to-peer internet uh, that has like direct connections between the two servers and, and not like that whole weird interweb that we have today, um, how would advertisement actually work, right? Because um, today it's very interesting if you go to a website, a normal legacy website and open, your, open the source code and look at where all the assets come from. That's not a peer-to-peer connection. You're not connecting to the to the website you open, but you're could connecting to like hundreds of servers that provide fonts, that might provide advertisement, that provide images and stuff. So that all of that would be would be gone in the peer-to-peer world because you would need to it would be peer-to-peer, right? So how would an advertiser actually go in there without again invading your privacy? I think um, approach to that would be actually to have, as I said, maybe browsers or browsers extensions that could like inject content into your browsing experience um, on on a secure level, because now it wouldn't it would the, the ad wouldn't come from the site you requested or from the peer you requested or whatever, it would be your browser extension would reach out to an ad server and get that ad from there. And you would you the cool thing would be if you could control that connection, if you could verify that is a secure connection. And then again, instead of using cookies and like all that tracking history and all your browsing history, as you said, maybe have like, in pro- have like a profile where you say, well, I want to opt in into personalized ads. Here's the tracking profile I want to have. Um, and now I think when it comes to like, when you ask about the, the like, how would I build the business? the advertiser side would need to become first, I think, I think you would need to pitch that idea to advertisers and make them understand why it's so important. Now, tying back to the, like to the beginning of the conversation, that is really hard, because you need to get around the agencies, because that age, those agencies are not interested in new tech, they have bought tech, like for the last five years, let's say, they want to make They they need to to sell that that tech for like the next five years to actually break even right so you right. would need to find uh companies and advertisers that are actually interested in products like like these um and i think that's where bitcoin would become very very helpful right because what i noticed uh, is that there is a i mean bitcoin industry is growing very fast and most founders and most companies in this industry understand this whole issue right they they are very they they are very close to that topic and and also they do have funding it's not like that this is a small industry without any funding right Um, there's tons of bitcoin companies that spend tons of dollars on on marketing budget every year and i think if you would go to them and be like hey let's not Take over the whole internet. Let's not fix everything now, but let's start with us as like a minimal viable audience or like minimal viable market. And when I say us, I mean Bitcoiners, right? Let's build our own little internet here. And I think that's what a lot of companies do already, right? I think that's what Impervious plans. Like everything is is their own little space. And we don't need to take over the whole world now. But we can have like a small project where we say, like, okay let's take Bitcoin content creators, let's take Bitcoin advertisers, and let's take Bitcoin tech providers and put everything into our own little space. And that's what's what's happening already, like, take fountain, for example, right? Yeah, well, like other, uh, like any Bitcoin content creator, there's like, all the ads you find is, is Bitcoin advertisers, right? Because that make, makes sense as well, because it's the audience, it's the advertiser, it's a perfect fit. Um, right. And I think yeah, starting, starting from that. the sorry, yeah, go ahead
1: but oh we're starting to see that emerge um i think on fountain and on stacker news uh we're seeing advertisers in different forms so advertisers in the form of like an audio clip on fountain and then advertisers in the form of a job poster on stacker news and they're effectively funneling revenue so they're paying for placement and that revenue then flows to the users of the product. So you're right; it is it is kind of picking up already. There's a bit of steam um, behind that idea of like users being paid for participating on a platform and being targeted, right?
0: Yeah, and I think I think what's missing currently is is the is the provider that does this as a business, right? Because right now all those companies and all those platforms do it by themselves they do it in their closed system and it's like there is no place where i could go maybe there is an agency agency i don't know of but like there is no place that i can go to set up a campaign for example um, and that would then run on fountain as an audio clip or in stack and use as a yeah Stack of news now is, and now has those job postings right but i think you understand what i mean there's no there's no place where i can go to get my get my ad to all the platforms there's the the middleman is currently missing and and uh, if there's someone out there listening to this podcast this that has that wants to found a company i think that would that that's currently missing that's the missing piece to have like a have like a technology or a standard that actually plugs in with all those with all those endpoints. And that could be that, yeah, central platform to like where where an advertiser could just put in a campaign and it will it would run on different places. I don't as an advertiser, I don't want to go to all the platforms and build different assets for all platforms and have to adjust everything. I want to just put in a line item in a system. And then click on on a button, and maybe connect it with my node of like fund a Wallet that will automatically pay invoices that come from other systems. And I think that is exactly what I meant when I said Lightning enables open standards because now I don't even need to know the person that I'm selling my ad to, right? Ad, that I'm buying ad space from. Sorry, that, that, right? Um, because I can just have that system that connects to different platforms fund the wallet and click go right and now all the payment will be done while serving the ad not having to bill afterwards or not having to do stuff right obviously there's still the tax thing that we need to worry about but let's not talk about that because it just makes things too complicated we don't know where where we are in like two decades with that um Mm -hmm. but but i think I think that would be that. That is currently the missing piece. Having like one place where you can insert your ad, and then it would like spread out to all those Bitcoin platforms that are currently out there that support advertisement. And obviously, they would have to implement that as well, right? To have that that endpoint to actually receive the ad and pay for the ad as well, or get paid yeah. for the ad space.
1: Big idea for the uh, Bitcoin entrepreneurs listening to this. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> in the short term, though, if we think about the you know, creator space in Lightning. How do you think monetization is going to work in the next couple of years? Like not not thinking of the next couple of decades, but just right now and into the next couple of years, we have a few different models emerging, right? We've talked about advertising. We have value for value. And then we have, uh, you know, pay as you enjoy or like set pricing, things like MASH, offer like a spin on value for value. They have, they have some similarities and some differences. Um, and then, you know, there's, then there's just direct like, you know, pay $10 for this branded coffee mug or something. You know, how, how do you think the, the, if you can break those different segments down, which one do you think will dominate in the next couple of years for the Bitcoin creators and the, the lightning kind of community?
0: um I definitely think value for value is something very valid that we'll see a lot of use in the future as well um and we do ha- I mean with podcasting 2.0 right you have that very cool and user-friendly integration where it actually works right what I think currently is missing is like that little bump to the user that says hey by the way you enjoyed this show for like an hour now it is time to maybe give something back I think that's, yeah. that's a big problem, right? If you if you, I think there's even a study about that, if if you like, if you have like an event, and you don't put a price on it, but you say everyone that attends has to donate, you will actually make more money than if you would have priced the event before, right? I think that I, I'm pretty sure I read a study about that I need to, I need citation needed on that point. But, but I can definitely imagine us humans that that, that we work like that, right? That that um, having that instead or having that Um, that feeling in your heart that you want to give back is something that can be leveraged by, by content creators, not in a bad way. When I say leverage, it sounds a little bit like scam, but that's not what I meant. Um, I, but I think the implementations that we currently have lack that, that little bump or like reminder that says, Hey, give something back as soon as we have that. And it's not really hard to do. I would love to see that more on, on like value for value platforms. I think that is a very valid model to monetize but again it is a very risky model as well because you can't you can't really calculate your 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 monthly return from that right it's very hard if you have like if you have to pay bills to be like okay well hopefully i get enough donations in the next month to actually pay my bills right it's very hard to calculate um and that's something that that we see with open source development as well um so right I think it will definitely be used a lot especially once like as i said implementation gets to the next level and it gets more adopted as well because right now there's talking about podcasting 2.0 there's breeze and fountain that i know of um but those those applications don't have enough use yet um and there's a lot of people that just listen to to podcasts on spotify or somewhere else um so that's that's one issue um i definitely think that idea of paying for content while you enjoy um is something that that will develop even that 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 might be an even more valid case for like content creators to monetize the platform i mean like i'm very biased on that right <laughs> because at Starbucks we do have pay gates for example we do yeah. have monthly monthly subscriptions for creators um And I think the reason why that works so good is because it doesn't need, it, 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 it doesn't require the user to rethink everything because they are used to those models from legacy platforms. Um, and I don't think it is black and white as well. I think we can find, we can find methods and, and monetization models that lie in between, right. That have a little bit of value for value that have a little bit of like pay upfront that have a little bit of pay where you enjoy. Um. Yeah. so um but i definitely i definitely see the whole i see the whole use case around like 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 monetization through lightning of content creators um but I'm, what i'm always worried a little bit about and i might get a lot of boos for that but I, what i'm always a little bit worried about is also like the whole bookkeeping and like tax thing and that's not very important if you have like a small youtube channel and you earn like a couple of bucks each week but if you want to actually like earn a living and have to pay bills and everything that might get very difficult, right? If you don't have right that you get into a weird position definitely depends on your jurisdiction as well and where you live. Um, but that's definitely one, one thing that is way easier to solve with pay up front. Here's a bill, here's an invoice, like not a lightning invoice, but a real invoice. This is now, this is your VAT. You're done now. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. I agree. Very, again very difficult to answer
1: <laughs> yeah there that is the most chaotic part of earning on lightning right now for me is you know i I've, I've probably earned on like eight or so different apps in the lightning ecosystem in the last month for various things and i i've now started to do like a monthly consolidation and so every month at the end of the month yesterday i did i did this uh, just like figure out how much did you earn from each platform, consolidate it, and make sure you're kind of like, I, I want to make sure I'm keeping track of, you know, books and stuff like that. Because, yeah, the, the numbers are getting to the point where they're hundreds of dollars a month from, from lightning, from, you know, some value for value, some pay for uh, messaging and things like that. But it's, it's at hundreds of dollars a month now, so it's, it's too big to ignore. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's a for sure an underrated thing that people are not fully appreciating the need for that yet, but as more creators start to earn more money, I think that will become pretty obvious. Uh, and yeah, it's a problem that that definitely needs to be solved. Um, but I think the idea of, you know, being able to operate on all these different creator monetization models it can be very appealing. Like if we, can, if we can fix the issue of like consolidating payments and letting people know, here's exactly how much you earned, this is what you owe, you know, this is your income. If we can figure that part out, then I think that the, the part about having any possible model to fit your content is great. Like for some people, value for value is gonna make a lot of sense. For some people, it's gonna be pay as you enjoy. For some people, it's gonna be pure subscription. For some people, it's gonna be pay once and get lifetime access. And I think the beauty of it is like, we can do all of that on Lightning, whereas like all the other kind of like gated web two systems or or anything built on Fiat Rails, it can only do a subset of those things, right? It can maybe target two or three of them. Maybe you can do subscriptions if they're bigger than $10 a month on Patreon. Maybe you can do, you know, uh, big purchases, but good luck doing the fifty cent purchases on a credit card, you know. It, it, so, I think there's there's definitely value in having a lot of these different models uh, to play with. At least that's my opinion. I,
0: I think what 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 is very important. What you just like um, said as well is is the gated part, right? Legacy world is so permissioned, and. Um, I, I recently just wrote an article about that, a very short blog post, um, what the problem of of current digital content monetization is, and what the problem of like the whole gated and permissioned legacy payment world is. And most people in Western countries might not even notice it. And that's maybe because they are in that financial privilege. That's maybe because the content they provide is not controversially enough to actually be a problem, right? But that is, that is the reason why we f- why we founded Starbaker, because we said, well, um, we do have a problem with gatekeeping. And those gatekeepers are not legitimated by like the, the people they are not voted on. Those are companies that impose their moral standards on everyone. And it's not only Visa and MasterCard that do that, but um, because we talked about Google before, um, when you want to use... Now, um, coming back to the web 2.0 example, if you want to use Google ad server for your publishing, right, if you have, if you have a website, and you want to, to put that ad server as like that monetization um, tool on top, Google will crawl your website and verify it and say, yes or no, it's not like you can host that software yourself and just put it on and be like, well, it's my site. And as long as an advertiser wants to purchase on that site, it should be, they should be allowed to. Google will, will decide if you're allowed to use Google ad server or not. And that is, that is a big, big problem, right? I mean, as I said, like most people might not notice it because they just like, as I said, privileged in the Western world with the financial system that we have, but try to monetize content. If you don't have access to a bank account, try to get a PayPal account. If you are like from Eastern Europe, it gets really difficult already. You need to wait weeks or even months to get approval on PayPal there. And that is, that is something that lightning can solve, right, that in very or like Bitcoin, that's like, straight, straight from the minute you, you host your, your, um, or you you, uh, deploy your wallet, you're able to receive funds, you don't even need something like a BTC pay server, which obviously make things easier. But as soon as you have a wallet, and you have like a static address, you could say, hey, here, or like a lightning address, or Allen URL, whatever it is. Um, obviously, like the more sophisticated the implementation gets and value for value, for example, is a very sophisticated implementation in my, in my, in my, um, in my view, but Bitcoin enables that use case of ungated and permissionless monetization straight from the second you start using it. And that's something that is really strong about that. And most, and a lot of people forget that from time to time, right? And yeah. exactly. That's why we as I said, why we founded Starbucker because we wanted to enable content monetization for everyone, not only the people that are permissioned by Visa and MasterCard, or by Google, or whoever it might be, but actually for everyone.
1: Right. You know, that that last part for everyone is really important. And I'm actually just realizing something now as you're saying this is like, uh, if we look at, you know, the way stock trading has evolved, we went from this brokerage model where, you know, only the people who kind of knew what they were doing had access, the people who you have to put them in a bit of work, you have to go to your bank, you have to get them to sign off on papers and you $10 stock trading fee every time you make a trade um, to like Robinhood and Cash App, where it's like you can invest as little as a dollar buying fractional shares, zero fee, literally anyone can participate, no credentials, no kind of like, you know, education required at all. And you know the, we can debate the pros and cons of that, but it, it basically opened the floodgates for everyone to participate. And now I wonder, like, if if we if we imagine a future where lightning is is like the standard, is this going to open it up so that everyone can become a, a a paid content creator? Someone anyone can earn for their content because right now, you know, we I think in Web two that was part of the vision, like, oh, anyone can create now, anyone can make stuff. Yes, it's true. Anyone can create, but very few can get paid from their creations, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we did open up, anyone can make a tweet, but good luck getting paid for that tweet. Uh, you know, it, It's just like, there's still a very small fraction of people that are getting paid for the content they create. Do you think that we open this up to absolutely everyone? And, and are we going to see any new types of content created as a result?
0: Um, yeah, first of all, yes, I do believe that we can open it up to everyone. That is exactly what we try to do, right? That's why, I mean, when, when we the Starbucker it was a, um, a very tough decision I might just disclose this, that we were like, do we really want to incorporate or would it be better to host an onion, for example, that it could be like the, the, the silk road of content, but we said, well and now you can discuss if that would be good or not and if you like want to have like free markets and stuff but what we wanted to achieve is to solve a problem for as many people as we can do and that problem was that gated that gated payment rails right and um so we decided to not do that we decided to have a clear web website because then we can actually have that accessible to as many people up to everyone right um so so that was the first decision that we had to make um now when it comes to different types of content I definitely do believe that especially when it comes to more riskier types of content that are just excluded from the whole monetization today because payment processors don't allow them and again that is totally up to you if you want that or not but that is how we as Starbucks position that we said there is no moral censorship if mm-hmm. that content is legal in the state that we are incorporated, that is something that we are required to do, you're allowed to post it on Starbucker. And that is something that no other platform that based on that that is based on legacy payment rails can do. And we've seen that now taking an example from the adult from the adult space, we've seen that last year with OnlyFans, right? Which was one of the reasons why we actually founded Starbucker. What happened there was that OnlyFans announced that they might, or that they plan on banning adult content from the platform. And we sat, virtually we sat together and we we're like, why would they do that? It doesn't, from a business per- perspective, that doesn't make any sense. Why Why is that happening? Because even though they have cooking videos and there's like some sport videos on there and sport content, most of the revenue probably comes from the adult sector. That's That's no secret, right? Why, as a company, why would they do that? And if you started investigating that a little bit, you would definitely, you would really quickly find out that it's Visa and Mastercard putting pressure on them and being like, "Hey, mm. you have to do that, right? Because it's too risky for our business, it's too risky for our payment network. Stakeholders don't want that."
1: So, who's um, putting pressure on Visa and Mastercard? I want to, I want to hear more about like how, how far does this chain go? Because that makes sense to me that yeah, if if your processors are going to be putting pressure on you you may have to make a decision that is not perfectly in line with your your revenue if you had your own way but who's then putting pressure on visa and mastercard and how far does that chain you know go back
0: i think that's that's a, a very difficult question to answer because that's not information that's like disclosed or like publicly available right you can definitely if you if you look at the cases that happened in the in the past, you can definitely find some people that are part of that company that are just have like, um, very like, old or like outdated moral standards, let's say, um, or like conventional moral standards depends on your views. Um, And, in the end, I think it is uh, also um, when you grow that big as a central company, like Visa and, and Visa Mastercard or PayPal did, uh, due diligence and risk management get very, very difficult. And I, I mean, like, I, there's a part of me that can understand them acting that way because they have to ensure that they don't lose that insane monopoly position that they currently have, right? So they want to protect the network and um, that might be the, the reason why they do that. Um, but then again, I think it is also like, as I said, um, stakeholders with very conventional ways of thinking and just not a very libertarian and free way of doing things. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, what is what is what is what what is a question that I definitely can't answer is, how did it get that way? And why is no one wondering about that? Having a centralized company that is in a a position of power, there is no comparison to that. If you start to think about what what actually what visa massacre actually can do with a simple click of a button they can wipe out businesses they can wipe out business cases with a simple click they can wipe out existences of content creators in a minute just because they are able to arbitrarily exclude anyone and actually they are allowed to right because it's their their terms and service uh, terms and conditions it's like well we don't like what you do you can't be part of our network anymore and what is what is important to understand is if you build a company and you get to a certain size and that's why i can totally understand only fans when they bow to the pressure when you get to that size and you risk losing that monetization rail and in web 2.0 it is the only monetization rail they have there's no alternative in web 2.0 if you lose that rail you can shut down within a week right there's no way you can actually like uh, support the company and all the structure you have built as a company and keep your employees if you lose Visa and MasterCard as a monetization rail in the digital world. That's why Bitcoin is so important. Because Bitcoin can fix that. Bitcoin is an open standard. There is no gatekeeper. And we can we can actually build a very, very healthy system that doesn't need that kind of centralized service to dictate its moral standards on everyone.
1: Mm. This has been fascinating. I want to finish off with one... Um... I wanna get you to, to steel man the case against lightning monetization or, or this like lightning creator movement. I, I, I think that there's a new um, creator movement forming here. And we've talked about a lot of the advantages that lightning can offer. What are the disadvantages? What are the downsides right now that you see for lightning creators today? Uh, what needs to be solved? What are, what are some of the things that make it a bad experience today?
0: Tough question. <laughs> um, I think one of the problems that we currently have is usability, uh, especially when we think about normies, right? Um, that is one of the that is one of the missions that we took that we that we have as Starbacker today. That we want to make things more accessible, because if you are from this space and if you are from this bubble and if you have your own node running at home and set up everything, Lightning is very easy to use and it works great. But if your technical horizon ends at using Instagram, Lightning has a horrible user experience. And I might get booze for that now, but we mm-hmm. have received so many support tickets of people that own Bitcoin on an exchange, for example, that is not Lightning enabled yet. And that are wondering why they can't pay invoices on Starbucks. because they own Bitcoin, right? And it says it's Bitcoin, why can't they pay? Yeah, well, because it's a different protocol. So um, definitely something that adoption might solve with time, but... I think we have a lot of work to do on an implementation side to abstract all those difficult things. A great example is is, uh, Galois Bitcoin Beach Wallet, right? Bitcoin Beach Wallet, I mean, it is a custodial wallet and it is behind KYC gates, but from the usability of that app, it's very cool. It's very easy to use and it abstracts all the difficult things away. And we need more of that. The second part is definitely what I mentioned before, is the amount of capital that's currently being deployed in the legacy world versus the capital that's being deployed for marketing and advertising i mean uh, in the lightning world right um if you if you plug into adsense and you have a site that has a lot of views you will get quite amount. you will you will get a substantial amount of money right away it might it might not be the best cpms and you might not get the best rates but you will earn money straight from the point and you don't have to do any work it's it's very difficult to start that monetization process in, in the lighting world trying to get advertisers to monetize uh, to to do ads on your page or to do ads on your on your podcast is not e- easy when starting out especially not with such a if you if you think about the legacy world risky environment right because it is like that financial things and people don't understand bitcoin really and especially not legacy companies it's always very like nerdy and and people are like well oh, i don't want that so i think that's that's a big like um challenge to overcome as well. I think those are the two reasons why not why I wouldn't suggest it to anyone uh, to everyone. But thinking about it, I would probably suggest it to everyone because in the end, if you if you if you sat down for like a whole day and read read a little bit about it, and if you most people will be able to set up a lightning wallet or like set up a Bitcoin wallet and monetize. It. but not everyone, right? That's a little bit the that's a little bit the issue I t- I see.
1: Right. Well, I want to finish this off with uh, a segment I do at the end of every episode called The Lightning Round. Some rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. All right. First question. Among the billion-dollar creator apps we have out there today, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, OnlyFans, all the all the ones that people are familiar with, Instagram, which will be the first to... Uh, fully integrate lightning i should probably actually remove twitter from that because they they kind of have a tip jar thing going among the others which will be the first to integrate lightning payments within their app uh only fans i think interesting and how will they do it will it be a subscription thing will it be a, a value for value thing
0: i think it will be the same monetization models that they have today but paid with i i don't think they will implement lightning itself i think they will implement Crypto, probably, um, hmm. but but um, I think it will be uh, the same monetization models that they have today, but just with different payment rails.
1: Interesting. Um, if you were in Mark Zuckerberg's shoes today, and your task was to reposition the company and help it help it adjust in this in the you know in the context of this shift we may be seeing in advertising. What what is your first step to reposition Facebook to benefit from, you know, this discussion we talked about it? This next era of of advertising where where users are getting paid. How do you do that?
0: As a Bitcoin, I'm obviously very biased on that one, but I would definitely change the company's name immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, I think oh, that's that's a very difficult question to answer. Um, Putting you on the spot, yeah. I I <laughs> gotta say, um, obviously, like plugging in Bitcoin as payment method for the current monetization model would be a, a, an easy to do first step. But again, like getting getting the education out to all those people that are currently like monetizing on that platform is insanely difficult. But I think that would be the first step to actually pro- to actually give the opportunity or to give the possibility to monetize via Bitcoin on the current system. To not uh-huh. pay with credit card only, but maybe to have like crypto wallets on, or Bitcoin wallets on the platform. Um, and I then, I, I, to be honest, like I'm not a very big part, a big fan of how Facebook approaches like monetization on that platform. And I, I if I w- was actually Mark Zuckerberg, I would probably like re-architecture
1: everything. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, I want to I wanna get your estimate for how much our data is worth. And uh, I've seen a couple of metrics. I won't, I won't share them until I hear your answers. I want, I want to hear your sense for like the, um, a, a normal user. Imagine someone living in America, just because most, most of our listeners here are, are Americans. Uh, the average American user, how much money are advertisers paying to reach them each year?
0: That's two different questions, right? The one one question is how much is data worth, or how much is our data worth, and it definitely depends on is that data accurate. Um, I don't, I have no idea how advertiser how much an advertiser would pay or does currently pay to reach a single user. Um, I, I I think if I would say I, I think if I would say a number, it would probably be below twenty bucks because I've seen CPCs. Uh, so cost per clicks on like social media, for example, which are like nineteen cents per click or conversion. It's like insanely cheap. So I would say probably below twenty dollars per user. Um, but I think accurate data and actually so one hundred percent valid data is not indefinitely like, but but it's much is, is 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 worth much more than that. Maybe like depends on the product you're selling, but I'd say like 100 bucks. If, if you actually, if you know that that will be a conversion, I would pay as much as 75% of the product worth, right? Or like Yeah. The
1: yeah, 100%. Um, now, the, the one de- data point I have on this is um, from Facebook's earnings, you can calculate out the average revenue per user in their different uh, sub segments. So they have like the Americas, they have you know uh, Europe, they have Asia. What what are the customers worth in those in those segments? And the average revenue per user is over a hundred dollars wow. for per, per year for a user on per Facebook. Year. Wow, That's So sick. yeah, I believe it. I believe it's like, and this is only in the Americas. I believe in you know in Africa, it's much lower. In in Europe, it's a little bit lower. Um, in Asia, it's somewhere in the middle between Africa and Europe. Um, but it's, it's like kind of staggering. It was, I think it was like 30 bucks per quarter, uh, was the average revenue. And this may be a couple of years old, so it may be higher now, but yeah, the, you know, I think if people understood that, and that's just Facebook alone, by the way, that Facebook and Instagram, of course, but that's only one, like then you add in Google, you add in Snapchat, you add in Twitter and you know, there's a reasonable case here. And then you add in all the out of home stuff and all the there's a reasonable case for for making that um you know our data is already worth 500 bucks a year across yeah. all these different apps like and then you start to think about like what could that mean if half of that went directly to the user and the user gave better data and then exactly. you expand the pie the double and then yeah. now they both get 500 the user and the platform you know yeah. It's, it's like, there's, there's money to be made here. There's a, it's a big, big opportunity, especially for something that users don't even recognize they're doing. Like no one would ever, you know, if I said, will you pay 500 bucks a year to use Facebook and Google and Twitter? There'd be no, no way. Yeah. But you know, you're paying the attention. Worth that much already. Um, anyways, um, uh if you is there any is there any book that has meaningfully changed your view of the world? Any uh, book recommendations? Oh wow. Um in general, you mean? Of, yeah, like
0: yeah, in general. Who? That's another tough question. Um I think the last one I read that really that really got to me was The Price of Tomorrow from Jeff uh Jeff Booth, I think is his name. Yeah, Booth is his yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like uh, a moose uh, Bitcoin standard, although I have uh, controversial takes on that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, definitely that one as well. Uh, I think it's it's required for every Bitcoiner to read that. But I think the price of tomorrow was the last one that really got to me, um, especially when it comes to the way that our economy and like our spending develops. Right. And what, I, what a little bit what I about what that what I said in the beginning that we as a as a society have to understand that things of quality will require us to pay more for things. And that it can't always get cheaper, 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 cheaper. Um, Obviously, with uh, uh, recommending price of tomorrow, things should get cheaper with like technology advancing, um, or at least have better quality. Um, Mm -hmm. But that is something that we have to understand as society. So that's, that's something that really got to me uh, recently. Yeah,
1: I like it. Um, If you could only hold one asset for the next decade and it could not be Bitcoin, Uh, what asset would you hold?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I got into Bitcoin two years ago and I don't own anything else anymore. So uh, now thinking about that is really, really tough. Uh, I think it would probably be gold. Um, because I definitely see the I definitely see the risks of of not having like a real uh, a real cap, right? But I think you said like two years now, so I think the risk of of that cap like exploding um, spontaneously is is quite low. So I would pro- probably go for gold. Um, but yeah, obviously like Bitcoin. It.
1: Yeah, it's a tough question. It really, <laughs> yeah, it really gets is. people thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, awesome, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time. Where can people go to learn more about you and the work you're doing?
0: Um, well, they can definitely check out my Twitter, which is uh, Edge21M currently. <laughs> I hope it will be in the future as well. Um, then uh, you could go to Starbaker and see what we are doing there, uh, which is starbecker.com or com for the web app. Um, yeah, so I think that are the, the best two places to to learn about me or what I'm doing.
1: Awesome. Thanks again for taking the time. Hope we can do it again soon.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin.
1: All right. In the last seven days, you guys sent in 25,087 sats. That came in from 161 different supporters. Very cool to see. Thank you to everyone who is sending in sats. Um, Let's take a look. We got the top five supporters of the week. Mary Oscar with 4,774 sats. Auburn Citadel with 3,337 sats, an anonymous user from Castomatic with 2,837 sats, another anonymous user, 2,003 sats, and Stemr42 with 1,890 sats. Let's get into the boosts of the week. First up, we have Chandler Bingcoin says, interesting in response to episode 65 with Fiat Joff. PB5433 says, another great episode, especially the part on login with LNURL auth, inspired me to look into this and then found Albi browser extension, which I haven't used, but you can pair with your node and it sounds a lot like what you're describing. Keep up the great content. Yes, Albi's a great, uh, great solution. I think they're gonna be integrated very deeply in the next iteration of the internet. I don't quite know where they fit in the overall puzzle, but I know they're gonna be an important piece. Um, So definitely check out Albi if you haven't checked them out yet. Uh, Anonymous user says, great episode. Thanks, Danny, for your insights on routing node strategies. That is episode 66. Danny is one of the best routing node operators in the world right now. So if you have not listened to episode 66 and if you wanna get into routing on Lightning, definitely check out that episode. Brian of London says, uh, boosting from podcastindex.org's page to see if Fiat Jaff's node is broken. Yes, Fiat Jaff, I think, he had a, an issue with his node a little while ago. Hopefully, it's fixed. Uh, but thank you for the boost, Brian of London. Uh, J24 says, P2P VP. Didn't Matthias just describe Tor and the likes? But I get it. It's not a thing because it's slow compared to a traditional VPN. Um, this this honestly goes a little bit over my head. I'm not too sure uh, whether or not this is a good comparison to make, a P2P VPN, uh, but it could be. That's that's got to be a question for Matthias. I think um, ASB underscore best said good in response to episode 66. Thank you. Uh, we have Scientari says. Uh, Good talk with Danny. Nice to hear from someone working on both Bitcoin and Lightning on scale at Cash App as well as on his own node. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think it's really cool to get the perspective of someone who's operating a business at the scale of Cash App, which not many businesses in the world are, uh, and then doing it for himself as well. Mary Oscar sent a test uh, from Podcast Index. D I R sent a heart emoji. Uh, an anonymous user said good stuff in response to episode 66. Episode one got a boost. That's the very first episode. An anonymous user said great podcast in response to episode one with Oscar Mary. Crimson Hummingbird says riveting in response to episode 66. Glad you liked it. Uh, Mary Oscar said great episode, really informative. Again, episode 66. A.V. Parker sent a dollar sign. Auburn Citadel sent a peace sign. Thomas Aquinas sent a boost that says interesting podcast. BTCDIR sent a heart emoji. MRA sent a thumbs up emoji. SMRTAK said another great episode. Thank you for inspiring and practical tips for lightning node operators. I could hear some weird high-pitched noises when Danny was talking about his node. Uh, that's interesting. I, I hope that was uh, just a one-time issue. Let me know if that's not fixed on today's episode. Uh, Jim Seifert says, Clipping is a PETA. Fountain is messing up. Love the show, though. I know the Fountain guys are working hard on improving the app, and I'm sure they'll get clipping right. Um, thank you, though, for the boost, uh, Jim. Uh, Die Gopher um says good podcast user 21 million sent a lightning bolt and uh bot is late uh said love this show and jing joe sent two sats and a comment in another language which i can't read Uh, but thank you jing joe for the two sats uh looking forward to seeing what you guys send in this week and i'll have another episode out soon